goes the great hard ball hard and welcome in to another oh, you're, you're, oh, you're quick on that flip now i like that man i barely oh. noticed what you just did right there yeah you like that season pro fingers on the other end oh man i'm telling you the fingers are special at ladies out there but in all seriousness mm -hmm. I've been known since I was a little kid for my ability to work a remote control. Like, now I've got four TVs from AV Consultations, so I don't have to flip because I have four games on at once. But growing up, when I asked my parents if I could have four TVs in one room, they laughed at me and said, go sleep outside. Uh, but, I, you know, one TV, my place, buddies' places, they always give me the remote. I was in charge. I just I have it down to a science right when we're going to commercial break we make the change to the other game right when the game's about to come back from commercial break we make the change back to that game I'm quick with the fingers man always have been you've probably, you've probably bonded with our good friend kevin dunn over that because he is exceptional on a remote control too i used to be good bk but i haven't had regular cable for so long now and i don't have that multi tv setup where i have slowed down over the years it is uh, one of those things where use it or lose it and unfortunately i'm not peak remote control form use it or lose it yes remote control skills and dental insurance use it or lose it you know what they say. All right, Trey and I are locked and loaded. We're taking you until 1 o'clock right here on a Wednesday, three days out from Texas, Alabama. We'll talk plenty of that game. What did Nick Saban have to say about the Longhorns? We'll let you hear from the Alabama head coach, plus an updated AP Top 25. Trey and I made a prediction yesterday that did not come to fruition. Shocker there. Also, some Jerry Jones talking about the Trey Lance trade that the Cowboys recently made. And yeah, where are we at in society? We are locked and loaded here on a Wednesday, and we appreciate y'all spending some or all of your Wednesday with us. How about this is a good reason to get fired up for this Saturday, BK. Papa Sorrell saying 88 coming. Milrow will feel him. I'd like to think that that's going to be true, and he is one of those most important guys in this game on Saturday night. But thank you, Papa Sorrell, for hopping on the show today. Hey, we didn't get three sacks from Baron Sorrell last weekend. That's okay. We'll just take that three-sack performance this weekend in Tuscaloosa, huh? Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, boy, Baron Sorrell is going to have his work cut out for him. I mean, everybody on that Texas defense is going to have their work cut out for them because Jalen Milrow is an electric playmaker. Bama's got talent up and down that offense. They don't have a lot of proven commodities at wide receiver, and it's not the wide receiver rooms that they had in the years past. And you think of when they had a couple of years ago with what, Jamison Williams and John Mechie and Jalen Waddell all on the same team. I mean, this group isn't that group, but they've got some talented players on the outside, and they always have really, really good running backs at Bama. So, yeah, this will be a tough test for number 88. This will be a tough test for everybody on that Longhorn defense, and I'm excited to see what they can do. They obviously look great against Rice this past weekend, Trey, but a big step up in class going up against this Alabama team this weekend. Look, it's no secret what one, if not both, of these defenses are going to be doing on Saturday, BK, and that's force the opposing quarterback to throw and not just throw but find that second or third read Jalen Milrow looked great in their week one beat down when he could throw it to that very first guy he was really decent at all three levels now when you got pressure on him that led to some mistakes and then also forcing him to go beyond that first throw led to some incompletions as well so you know Pequikowski is going to be doing that while also spying Milrow a lot of the time but they also have to be ready for that vaunted Alabama rushing attack too and if you're Texas right now I think you need to hope that you see a little bit more in the way of that rushing attack versus putting too much on Quinn Ewer's shoulders early on. Did Texas go up against a quarterback like Jalen Milrow last year like the last quarterback like Jalen Milrow that I remember the Longhorns going up against was KJ Jefferson in Fayetteville two years ago. Now that was a different Whoa, Texas team. That was the second game of the Sark slash PK era. The team is a lot better. I think those coaches are better and obviously their systems are in place now in their third year. But I don't think Texas went up against anybody like Jalen Milrow last year. Obviously JT Daniels was the statue of David back there last weekend. I mean he's the exact opposite of Jalen Milrow. Not sure 
what the package looks like for JT Daniels. Doesn't David have that uh, Tiny Johnson in that statue? Am I getting that confused oh, with the different one? Well, I'm going to have to admit this is the first time I've thought about JT Daniels' package in that regard. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, that's what we do on this show here. But I, I think the, the really the only time that Texas has gone up against a quarterback like K.J. Jefferson, and I'm not sure Jalen Milrose as good as K.J. Jefferson right now. I mean, both guys are very, very good. But, you know, Jefferson had more skins on the wall. He had already started a full season before he played Texas. This is obviously Milrose's first year as the starting quarterback at Tuscaloosa. But, yeah, the last time, and really the only time, I think, that P.K. has seen a quarterback like this, things did not go well. No, they didn't, and Jalen Milrow is much more, if there's a difference between those two guys, much more quick twitch than K.J. Jefferson was, too, which can obviously add a completely different set of problems. I don't know. I'm thinking back to, like, Spencer Sanders last year. Like, he was a super poor guy's version of that, like hobo uh, version of, uh, of Milrow and the Jefferson, too, I guess. But this is uh, going to be a fun test for a lot of reasons, and hopefully it doesn't turn out like that Arkansas game from a couple years ago because that was a complete beatdown. Yeah, I think the two closest, uh, closest excuse me, comparisons to K.J. Jefferson that Texas went up against last year would be Spencer Sanders and also Donovan Smith in Lubbock, and Texas went 0-2 in those games and their defense was not very good now Oklahoma State was more offensive issues than defense right that was Quinn Ewer's worst game of the season but uh yeah that game in Lubbock look the Texas offense wasn't perfect obviously the Bijan fumble in overtime sucked but the Texas defense just couldn't find a way to stop those third and fourth downs from Donovan Smith and that Texas Tech team so early returns on PK v running quarterback Trey not great if there's a silver lining thinking back to that Texas Tech game, uh, game, BK, it felt like that was kind of a turning point for that unit because the offense did enough to, uh, to win that game. Remember, Hudson Card was starting at quarterback because Quinn Ewers was still recovering from that AC joint injury. He did enough. Like, as a matter of fact, he was making plays himself. He wasn't just that stereotypical game manager, but the defense just had letdown after letdown. Part of that is that dual-threat quarterback that really keeps you on your toes. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll see. It'll be a tough test and a different test for this Texas defense versus obviously what they saw in week one. But yeah, Jalen Milrow, one of the many guys that Pete Kwiatkowski is going to have to find a way to contain in this game on Saturday night. And Trey, unless you got something you want to add here? No, go ahead. Okay, well, we were wrong. Stop me if you've heard that before. All right, actually, don't stop me because you would have stopped me right away. Uh, we made a prediction yesterday that when the AP Top 25 came out, the Longhorns would be in the Top 10, and we would have ourselves a Top 10 matchup in T-Town this Saturday night. Well, that is not the case. The AP poll was released a little bit after we got off the air yesterday, and the Longhorns did not move up. They did not move down. They stayed at number 11. They got jumped by a couple of different teams. Notre Dame was previously ranked number 13. They jump up three spots to number 10. And then Tennessee, who was previously ranked number 12, they jump up three spots to number 9. Hard to be too critical. I don't know how many people even care. But look, Tennessee whipped up on Virginia. They look better against a better opponent than Texas did. Notre Dame's 2-0 with two blowout victories. Hard to be too upset by Texas not moving up after their relatively pedestrian performance against Rice. We may need to thank Brett Yormark here, BK, because I feel like we wasted a lot of that early season unnecessary negative energy raging at him to where Longhorn fans, thankfully, have been a little bit more flippant about this. Like, you see some eye-rolling, but people aren't that bothered by it. For me personally, I like that. I want to give even the tiniest bit of, bit of fuel to this program to feel slighted right now. And they could maybe take it that way. It's an early season poll, so it is truly subjective. You take care of business this weekend, you're not just going to be top 10. You may very well be top five, but hopefully it adds to that chip on the shoulder that keeps them locked in for Saturday night. More of a boulder than a chip on the shoulder of these Texas players, right? I mean, whatever it takes. Like, you, you shouldn't need extra motivation to play in this game, but hey, if people keep doubting you and the Vegas line is going up in favor of Alabama, and obviously the majority of people out there picking this game are picking Alabama to win. So if Texas does 
want or need a little bit of bulletin board material, there's no doubt that it is out there right now. Uh, Alabama actually did move up a spot, by the way. They moved from number four to number three. Ohio State, who was previously number three, they dropped down two spots to number five after their very average offensive performance in Bloomington last weekend. And maybe the biggest takeaway, I guess there are a couple, but the biggest top ten takeaway that we have, the rise of Florida State. Jumping all the way up from number eight to number four, they actually got three first place votes from the AP voters after their blowout victory over LSU on Sunday night. The Seminoles, they had a great weekend, and they're getting rewarded by the AP voters now in the top four. They looked the best against a good team, so you absolutely give them credit for that. But again, it's post-week one AP poll. There's a long ways to go. As KD and I talked about yesterday, and the point that he made is, the polls that he starts caring about are the last few weeks of the season. If you take care of business, everything will ultimately take care of itself. Yeah, these polls don't really matter anymore, right? Like you've got the CFP rankings, and those come out midway through the season, and those are what dictates everything that matters in college football. I'm cool with the preseason rankings. Like some people are like, get rid of them, abolish them. No, it makes the games feel bigger, right? Like Texas yeah. and Alabama will always feel big, but whenever you have like a an early season top 10 matchup, it just adds a little bit of hype and buzz surrounding it, and I think it draws more attention to the game. So I, I got no problem with these rankings happening, but I also have no problem with you not giving a rat's you-know-what that they're out there. Look, it provides us some nice talking points in the preseason at the start of the year, kind of to your point there. So yeah, keep the rankings around, but also understands especially with the coaches poll, BK, that oftentimes it is a communications guy, if not intern, filling out that poll. Oh, what happened so in the coaches poll? Didn't someone put somebody, oh, someone had TCU ranked ahead of Colorado, I think, in their coaches poll this week. Really? No, 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 okay, no. That's... It was uh, it was Duke. They had Clemson ahead of Duke. Even worse, because that game was at least close in Fort Worth. But somebody in their coaches poll had Clemson ranked a few spots ahead of Duke, despite Duke beating the brakes off of the Tigers on Monday. That person needs to have that trivial privilege revoked. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Speaking of Clemson, they fall all the way to number 25. They dropped 16 spots after their uh, week one loss to Duke. Duke makes it into the poll at 21. Colorado makes it into the poll at 22. Texas A&M makes it into the poll at number 23. No sign of Wyoming. I do not see them in there. I do not see Texas State in there either. Sorry about that, Cowboys and Bobcats fans. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Maybe next week, BK. Hey, I was really impressed with both of their quarterbacks, by the way, on Saturday. That was a bit of an eye-opener because I didn't know if A&M would be all that good this year. That gives them some hope. Yeah, look, they were nearly 40-point favorites against New Mexico. Um, so they were going up against a cupcake, but they did cover the line. They did something that Texas didn't do in game one. And you're right, yeah, Connor Wegman looked pretty good. The offense looked pretty good. Obviously, they play a much tougher team this weekend. That's another really, really good game we have this Saturday with AM going to Coral Gables yeah. to take on Miami. Uh, AM won that game last year, and a lot of people were thinking, all right, now well, this Aggie team's going to be really, really good. Well, we kind of know what happened with both of those teams, right? That almost had a uh, Texas-Notre Dame 2016 kind of feel except the game wasn't nearly as exciting. But it's like, oh, the winner of that game, oh, shit, they might actually be something this year. They weren't. And then the loser of that game, it's like, uh, maybe there's some issues here. And, yeah, there clearly were some issues there. So uh, we'll see round two this time in Miami, Texas A&M at Miami. Obviously, we'll see if uh, Jimbo and company have some things figured out from, uh, from last season. Uh, quick check to the YouTube comment line. Terrence asks, how many starts has this Bama quarterback had? He has had two. Started one game last year against A&M, and obviously started the uh, Alabama Crimson Tides Week 1 game against 
Middle Tennessee, who gives a fuck. At least that's what Trey calls him. <laughs> uh, my favorite team name to start the season, BK. CB mentions this, and he's not wrong about it. I've never heard Katie so down before, especially about college football. Let me ask you about this, BK, because Kevin, he does have a point. I understand where he's coming from, even if I disagree with finding a middle ground if we do alter a rule change that has just been made how much did it bother you to see the clock continuing to roll after first downs were gained in college football games this last weekend all the way up until there were two minutes left in each half it didn't bother me at all i i barely even noticed it i haven't looked at the numbers did were games significantly faster were games at all faster in week one versus what they were last year I need to actually do some research. God, I hate doing research, but nobody's done it for me, so I'm going to have to figure this out and go down all the top 25 games and maybe the Big 12 games too and just write the times to see if we can come up with a consensus there. I do know that the Texas game went three hours and 11 minutes, which it was a game that was well in hand in the fourth quarter, so the clock's moving a little bit faster, but it has to be making somewhat of a difference. I think Kevin's point yesterday had to do with them filling that time with commercials, mm. and there were definitely a couple of commercial breaks this weekend. Uh, I believe uh, Cooter said this happened in the Texas game, as a matter of fact. I didn't see it watching uh, live at the stadium, of course, but I do remember it happening with LSU Florida State, too, where they came back from commercial break, and it was right on top when the play started. Now, Cooter said that there was a play that was missed in the Texas game as a result of the commercial breaks going for a minute or whatever it is longer now. Yeah, I mean, I heard Kevin a little bit on the podcast talking about that yesterday, and I've seen a lot of tweets about it, too, that, yeah, they basically just replaced all of the time that should have been lost with this rule change by advertisements, and that is disappointing. Um, you know, I, I, I figured this rule change wouldn't have the MLB pitch clock rule change type of effect. Like, that's been dramatic, and it's been awesome. For Major League Baseball this year like people were skeptical about that rule going into the season but I think like 99.9% of baseball fans are on board with some of the rule changes especially the pitch clock change because games have been significantly faster this year in Major League Baseball they needed to be significantly faster in college football and I figured this rule change would help out with that some but now if the uh, the TV partners are getting their way and they just replace that downtime with more commercials then that's a huge, huge problem, and that doesn't really make any difference. Actually, that's worse. Like, Kevin has a point. Like that, That's worse if we have more commercials and less downtime. I'd rather be able to watch, you know, at least what's going on in the huddles between plays and what's going on on the sidelines and in the crowd, like, at the stadium versus having to watch another 30 to 60-second spot. Because, you know, we here on Texas Sports Unfiltered, we don't do recorded commercials, so we don't like recorded commercials. We know you people feel the same way. That's why you should always listen to us and watch us. But yeah, if they if they are just substituting, you know, game time for ads, that sucks. And we got bamboozled, hoodwinked, led astray, run amok, whatever Stephen A. Smith wants to say. That's right. The unofficial motto of Texas sports unfiltered is all sass, no breaks. <laughs> I like that. Did somebody comment that, or is that you who made that one up? No, I came up with that a couple days ago. I figured I would roll it out on this show. All sass, no breaks. That is well done, especially with you, my friend. That'd be the official life slogan of Trey Elling. Got to get that on your, like, Maybe headstone. That's, maybe that should be the three to five show name. I think I'm about to settle on Texas, uh, on Longhorn Misfits otherwise, though. Nice. I like it. Cool. Oh thinking of a cool graphic that uh, that may work or maybe it doesn't and it just remains long more misfits anyhow yeah coming up today from three to five it'll be jeff howe and bucky godbolt yeah how about that still the unnamed afternoon oh. drive show but bucky and jeff so you'll get a double dose of the buck today lord help us all and jeff howe will be on the show as well they'll talk plenty of texas bama and who knows what those two guys will get into so, BK, you said you have some Nick Saban audio on Texas. I haven't actually read or heard any of this just yet. I'm looking forward to hearing and seeing what he had to say. Yes. Before we get to that, though, shout-outs to some of our sponsors. We'll start with our newest sponsor, Trey. We've got a new logo on the bottom right portion of the screen. Our friends at Olipop, the newest sponsors for Texas Sports on. 
filtered. Are you okay? Can you see? Are your eyes working? What are you doing back there? Dude, you're... <laughs> I don't know if it's my connection or your connection. You're kind of skipping around all over the place today. And when you brought it close to the screen, there was a pretty bad glare. So I just couldn't see what that was. But it says Olipop. I think there's a doctor on the label there, too. The word doctor. Is that right? Yes, I've got the Dr. Goodwin flavor of Olipop, which is basically their rendition of a Dr. Pepper. It's very good. Very, very good. And shout out to Olipop, man. I, this stuff is incredible. Their slogan is a new kind of soda. That's exactly what it is. You get the same soda taste that you've always loved, but this stuff is actually good for you. Inside the can, a blend of seven unique botanicals, plant fibers, and prebiotics. This is right up your alley, Trey. You're getting nine grams of fiber in every can. There's only two to five grams of sugar in every can, and the flavor is absolutely there. They've got the classic soda flavors like this one right here. They've got cola, root beer, lemon, lime, and also some other great flavors as well like grape, strawberry, vanilla, cherry cola, cream soda, and tropical punch. I'm telling you, Olipop tastes just like the soda you grew up sipping, but with the added benefits of digestive health support. This is a great tasting soda that's actually good for you. It really is incredible what these guys have done. Pick up Olipop at HEB, Target, Walmart, Whole Foods, Costco, wherever you go throughout the Austin area to get your groceries, you can find the greatness of Olipop, Trey. Apologies if you said this during the read right there, but what is the total added sugars of that Olipop? We've got three total sugars. Three total? Wow. Yep. I am intrigued. Every single can is between two to five total grams of sugars. Only 45 yeah, calories. I mean, just... And there is, like, it's not only, like, less sugar, less calories, but there's actual, like, health benefits to drinking this stuff, too. So they found a way, man. It's it's legit. I drank the, uh, the grape flavor this morning with the buck. I've been drinking this stuff a lot over the last couple of weeks. Some of my buddies, my sister loves this stuff. It's uh, it's starting to take off. I, I feel like this is right up your alley too, man. Give give this thing a go if you haven't yet. I will definitely do so. Thank you. Of course, of course. All right, now to what you asked for. Let's hear from Nick Saban, who had his game week press conference earlier this week. In his opening statement, he talked about the Texas Longhorns, and here is the Alabama head coach. You know, I think everybody knows Sark is a really good coach. Um, they've got a really good team. They've got a veteran team returning with, you know, 10 starters on offense, six on defense. Um, really good skill players on offense. Really good quarterback. Uh, can throw the ball effectively. They make a lot of explosive plays. Um, you know, Worthy's an outstanding receiver. They've got good running backs. they got a really good tight end. Uh, they're very good on defense. They play really good up front. Uh, they're physical. They played extremely well in the first game. And um, they were excellent on special teams. So uh, this is a really good team all the way around. And it's going to be an opportunity for our team to sort of, you know, where are we as a team? Where are you as a player? You're going to play against a really good player. Um, and, you know, that usually says, you know, where, where am I as a player? Uh, and this is going to be a good barometer for us to find out, you know, where where are we as a team? I think the GOAT put it perfectly there, BK. I think both teams are thinking a lot like that right now. Like, you see why this team is considered good, but you also maybe see areas that you could exploit, but if nothing else, and this is one of the fun aspects of this game on this particular year, is that this is going to go a long ways in helping us to understand what each of these teams are. Yeah, I feel like Nick Saban talks like that about every Alabama opponent, but I think he actually means it with this Alabama opponent, right? Like, I'm sure Nick Saban had some high praise for Middle Tennessee and was like, oh, they're an experienced bunch and they've got talented players, and everyone's like, dude, shut up. You're going to beat these guys by 50. And sure enough, that's what they did. But he's not wrong. Like, I, I still think Alabama has the more talented roster than Texas right now. Like, Bama is one of the few teams in college football that has recruited better than Texas over the last few years. I mean, they're always in the top three, it feels like, in terms of recruiting class rankings. But there's not a huge drop-off in talent between that Bama roster and this Texas roster. And, Trey, I think this Texas team is better than last year's Texas team that nearly beat Alabama with a backup quarterback playing for three quarters. And I also think this Alabama team is a little bit worse than last year's 
Alabama team. You know, they lost the Heisman Trophy winner and the number one overall pick at quarterback. They lost Will Anderson. Once again, still loaded with talent. But I feel like the gap, like, Bama was a two-touchdown favorite, I think more than that, in the game in Austin last year. The line's only a touchdown right now. Texas is better. Alabama might be a little bit worse. So Nick Saban, I think, is true to his word with everything he said except one thing. Trey. We're not good at explosive plays. Explosive plays? Come on. That's we, we, I guess in the first quarter, Quinn Ewers had some big plays against Alabama, so maybe that's what Saban remembers. But, God, all week long this year and all throughout the second half of last season, every Texas fan was begging for more explosive plays. Like that's We're not good at that. We might be good at everything else except for that. So everything else uh, Saban used to diagnose Texas was dead on, but I, we, I wish he was right about the explosive plays. That probably is just coach-speak rhetoric that he's spewing there, BK. But if he was being truly sincere throughout that answer, maybe he's recalling what Steve Sarkeesian was able to do with explosive plays with Alabama and what they're still trying to do, too, obviously. With us talking about earlier in the week that if Quinn Ewers can't throw the deep ball, stop throwing the damn deep ball. It's a waste of a play. Nick Saban knows that Steve Sarkeesian is going for those sorts of kill shots. Yeah. So, hey, I, I'm curious to see, and Bucky and I were talking about this this morning, like how much does Sark trust Quinn Ewers? How much does Sark trust his offensive line, right? Like, I, I know Sark said all of the O-line problems that we saw in game one are correctable, but does he really believe that? Or is Sark going to have to game plan this Alabama game with just a bunch of quick drops and short throws and a lot of RPO? I, I, I know in Sark's perfect world, Texas is going to be able to take the top off the defense and convert on those 40, 50-yard shots down the field. But is this O-line good enough to hold back that Bama defensive front? And does Sark trust Quinn Ewers enough? I know what he said this week, but does he actually trust Quinn Ewers enough to take those shots against this Alabama secondary? Part of that is whether the offensive line can be better. Did you see that a different guy has been starting? I believe it's at right guard through the first couple of practices this week. Is it Cole? Back to Cole Hudson, yeah. With DJ Campbell, and look, he suffered some sort of injury in the second half against Rice, so perhaps that's part of what there. But a lot of people see him as the weakest link on that offensive line from over the weekend. And you rolled him out against Rice and thought and hoped for the best, and but you also realize that he is enough of a liability that it would be – you would suffer huge costs as a result against a team like Alabama. Yeah, it was a bummer we didn't get to see Cole Hudson play last week, right? According to Sark, he got banged up late in practice, so they kept him on the sidelines. And obviously a little bit upsetting that DJ Campbell didn't look better. He wasn't awful, but, I mean, the Texas offensive line as a whole wasn't great, and the interior of the offensive line got burned by a bunch of twists and stunts, and he was obviously a part of that. So I get the change. I'm cool with it because, you know, you've got to be better up front than you were last week to have a shot. Yeah, and even though the performance was a little bit up and down, apparently on the moments where he didn't do what he needed to, it wasn't a result of the center not making the right call, too. So if you don't understand the basic block protection, that's a problem, obviously. Mm-hmm. Hey, the text line, 512-222-9328. Still looking for a sponsor for the new Texas Sports Unfiltered text line. Text in if you uh, want that to be you and your business. Or, hey, you know, if you pay us enough, we can just name it after you. It can be somebody's Texas Sports Unfiltered text line. Not a bad thought right there. Uh, a couple of texts to get into here. Ewers has a noodle arm, at least overthrow somebody. And then somebody says, Nick didn't mean a word of that. He wanted to say that little prick abandoned me and my team is going to destroy him and take out the third Texas quarterback in as many games. Mm. That's the uh, anger translator. Yeah. There's always that possibility. Travis adds on the YouTube comments section, Bama is going to try and force Ewers to throw deep balls. You're probably right about that early on, which is why I hope that the practice reports that have surfaced this week that say Quinn is doing a great job of connecting deep with his receivers, I hope that that does translate to the games versus what we used to hear about Shaq back in the day. Shaq makes 90% of his free throws in practice. (laughs) Eventually it's gonna work out. Or maybe not. So uh, let's fingers crossed that he's stepping into more throws this week and actually has time to find his receivers downfield too. Wait and see mode, man. Like, this is a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice. 
won't get fooled again. Whatever the former president said, what he screwed that one up a few years ago. Way to go, Bush. Uh, that, that's what was that, John Adams? <laughs> I think that was uh, James Monroe, actually, who uh, who got that one wrong. That was a president, right? James Monroe? Yeah, okay. well done there. We had DJ Monroe on Texas. We did. Another one of those guys who seemed like he had all the athletic potential in the world and never quite lived up to it. No. It's someone, like a string of those dudes throughout the 2010s. Yeah, someone in Texas not living up to their potential? That No, no. There's there's no way we could do something like that. Um, that's, that's what it is. Like, we heard that all offseason long. We heard it through fall camp, Trey. And this is not like me taking shots at the insiders and insider reports saying they're wrong. Like, maybe it does look really good in practice. I don't give a shit. Okay? I don't yeah. care if he's connecting with Xavier Worthy or A.D. Mitchell or Isaiah A. Or, or Jordan Winnington on those deep balls in practice. I care that he went 0 for 7 on balls that traveled at least 15 yards through the air in a game against Rice. That's what I see. That's what you see. That's what all of us have seen to this point. So I'm not falling for the, oh, uh, they look great. I'm going to be pissed if the first deep shot doesn't work out this week. I'm going to be mad at Sark if he keeps trying to dial him up again because I'm just going to assume that that part of the offense still has not been fixed. Yeah, the added problem with those seven deep balls last weekend is not like it was all great defensive plays. I would argue that one, maybe two, were balls that were on the money that were just nice defensive plays. Otherwise, they were just poorly thrown footballs. And at some point, you have to see if you're Steve Sarkeesian and you're truly as self-reflective as I think that he is, is that you're the rat that's going back and shocking itself for that cheese over and over again. And it is not working out in your advantage. So still throw deep a little bit, but let's maybe bring it back from seven. Let's maybe cut that number. I guess you can't do three and a half deep balls, but let's maybe cut that number down to three or four. Let's start at three. And if one of those three had the result you were hoping for, then we can start doing it a little bit more. Yeah. I keep using the word curious. I'm more anxious to see what the game plan is, right? Like does, does Sark trust Ewers in the offensive line to do that? Or does he just go short and intermediate passes? Cause Quinn Ewers is one of the most accurate short and intermediate passers in the country. Like he's really, really good at that. And we saw that last week, and we saw that a lot last year. It's just the, the deep bombs just don't work. And those plays against Rice that turn into incompletions are probably interceptions against Alabama. Because, you know, if, if Quinn Ewers is going to float one against Rice, well, the Rice secondary guy was beat by two or three steps. That just gives him a little bit of time to catch up and make a play on the ball. Now, the Alabama guy is going to be a lot closer, and he's probably he probably has a lot better ball skills, too. So those... You know, harmless incompletions that Texas had with the deep shots last week, those might be game-changing interceptions, and you cannot turn the ball over at Bryant Denny and expect to win. I don't want to start thinking too optimistically about this again, but maybe Quinn Ewers is one of those guys that needs that tighter downfield window to do a better job of completing the pass. Hmm. There's always that possibility, right? Like, you think about some good three-point shooters, they're better with a guy in their face and they are taking something wide open. Uh, Quinn is, maybe hopefully that's it. So as he's facing better defensive back competition at Alabama, much like what they see in practice every day, it locks him in that much more and allows him to start hitting some of those throws downfield. Trey, are you better with the guy in your face? Yes. (laughs) Man, that was deep thought right there. You went full Christian Ponder thinking about that one. My God. Better with the guy in his face. Trey Elling, that's also going on the headstone. Well, thank you. (laughs) I've got a few of those at this point, right? Oh, my God. Let's hear from uh, Steve Sarkeesian, right? We heard Saban talking about Texas. Let's hear from Sark talking about Alabama. This is from Steve Sarkeesian's opening comments from his press conference on Monday. Week two is a great challenge. Um, going to play uh, Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, should be a, a great night of football. I, I know that the key to the drill for us is focusing on what we need to do to prepare uh, and getting ourselves in the right frame of mind, you know, mentally, physically, and emotionally to play a four-quarter, hard-fought, very physical game. Nothing wrong there. I mean, that was a little bit of coach speak too, but he's right about it, see, it being an, an exciting environment. 
College game day being there is just going to amp people up that much more. And I think there's going to be a decent Texas contingent that'll be there too. So when the Longhorns do good things, is it going to be as loud as the Alabama crowd? No, but Longhorn fans know how to make their presence felt in situations like this too. How many Texas fans do we think are going to be there on Saturday? Because, I mean, I feel like I've heard from a ton of people who are telling me that they're going. So I think it will be a, a pretty impactful bunch that, uh, that makes the trip to Tuscaloosa. I think the secondary market is really hot right now in small part because of Bama, but because so many Longhorn fans are trying to get to that game. Like even though we didn't look great, uh, uh, didn't look good against Rice for the uh, for the first half of that game, Longhorn fans do have a strange confidence about this one right now. Maybe it's not so strange because I feel that too. Like I see the opportunity in front of us and now it's time to go out and execute to make it happen. You have a good enough roster to do so. The coaching staff seems up for the task. Is it easy going against Nick Saban at home like this? Absolutely not. I mean, he's lost a handful of games over the last decade plus now, but there is that occasional moment where a team is able to do so even in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I think Texas will have at least 20,000 there on Saturday. I wouldn't be surprised if it's closer to 20,000. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah, that's about a fifth of the stadium. Like I think maybe 20% of Bryant Denny Stadium will be uh, Texas fans it could be a little bit more like I think of the Notre Dame game that I went to back in uh, my senior year of college and, and Texas had 25 percent of South Bend uh, taken over so I think it'll be something pretty similar to that man I, I, I really do I think part of it has to do with the confidence that you're talking about but man Longhorn fans have had this one marked on the calendar for like a decade since this game was announced so this is, uh, you know, the first time Texas has played at Alabama since like 1900-something. Nobody, nobody was alive the last time the Longhorns played in Tuscaloosa. So I think, uh, I think it's going to be a, a pretty big crowd. No neutral site, no 50-50 split or anything like that. But when Texas makes some things happen on Saturday, you're going to hear a lot of people making a lot of noise. That's great to hear if that is what the number ends up being. I was thinking maybe something in the 10,000 range and disappointingly BK I guess I need to let you and the people know right now because I had talked about this last week I am no longer going to the game this weekend it was going to be a whirlwind trip but ultimately proved to be a little bit too much and so I'm just backing out Hmm. now here's an interesting paradox so I got these tickets for face value for the game on Saturday night and I offered to sell them back to the Bama fan who is good friends with my brother who will also be at the game to just sell him back to him for face value so he can make a killing on him he's like no nah, just take him to see geek get what you can we're good oh i'm like oh okay guess i'm gonna make a little bit of dough on this game and i'm not a gambling man wow okay have you listed the tickets yet no i'm gonna do that today i got the word last night and just hadn't had time earlier this morning but i guess see geek is the best ticket marketplace to go to for something like that or is it Centex tickets there it is come on Centex tickets that's the place to go to sell to buy whatever throw them on there come on now then you'll then you'll probably guarantee there'll be a call after the show is over i was gonna say you'll probably guarantee that a texas fan is buying those tickets which is what we want right we can't sell tickets that we're going to a texas fan to an alabama fan now we need bodies at bryant denny this weekend but that's Congratulations to you. Are they good seats? Any idea? No. I mean, I've looked at the details, the numbers and letters and whatnot, but I haven't pulled out a seating chart just yet. They're probably not bad because this dude gets good tickets, and I believe these are, if not like his family's seats, other good friends that they sit around too, so they're probably not bad. Mm. But I think if you're in the stadium, even if you're like low in an end zone, that's a good enough environment that that's still an enjoyable seat, even if you're having to watch much of the game on the Jumbotron. Oh, man. My biggest regret, and I think my only regret of starting Texas Sports Unfiltered, is that I had to give my ticket up to this game because i got to work now. If I was still doing ESPN Houston stuff, I'm I'm there. Shoot, I'm taking the whole week off to go party with the uh, the uh, the Hicks in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. But we got to work. we got pregame. we got postgame to get done this Saturday. And I think I think you're yeah. like you're like Jason, by the way. Is this you? Except replace Jason with Trey. I am going to admit to you, 
that with the normal game day responsibilities of the football season, even leaving because the plan was going to be to fly out early Saturday morning to Nashville and make the three and a half to four hour drive straight from the airport down to Tuscaloosa with my aunt, who is also a big Longhorns fan. After the game is over, win or lose, drive all the way back to Nashville. <laughs> now she lives on the, I guess, I don't know what direction it is, but the proper side of Nashville to where it would have been a slightly shorter drive than going all the way into downtown. Stay there for a few hours and then catch an early flight from Nashville back to Austin on Sunday morning. Oh it was gonna be a hellacious trip. So would single tray be more likely to have done that? Yes, but I'm actually a little bit relieved that I'm not and that I can kind of hide behind my wife and kids and then missing me too much during football season anyhow, you know? I think they're actually bummed that you're not leaving for the weekend. They were hoping to get rid of you for a couple of days and now can't do it. You know, it's weird. They they said something similar. I just assumed <laughs> that was sarcasm, though. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's awesome. By the way, Nick Saban at home, you said it, Trey, only a handful of losses during his Alabama career. How about this? 103 wins, 8 losses. And three of those 8 losses came in Saban's first year when Bama went 7-6 and six back in 2007. So five losses in the last 15 years now, essentially? Yep. Oh, wow. God. I now feel a lot worse about Texas's chances. I knew the record was good. It's actually our guy Chip Brown who tweeted that out a couple of months ago. Uh, going into the year, it was 102-8. and Obviously, with Bama's win last week, it's now 103-8. and Yeah, I, I, I now feel significantly worse about the, the Horns' chances to pull off the upset Saturday night. Golly. One of the reasons that I wanted to go to this game, BK, is because I've never experienced an SEC environment before in terms of being in the stadium for a game of this magnitude. So it was going to be uh, an interesting revelation to know what Texas fans need to prepare themselves for starting next year. And y'all, that includes us getting it together a little bit more in DKR as well, because DKR's crowds are already not what you would call feisty or hostile. They are very much sit on their hands until they absolutely need to stand up on big third down situations for the defense, right? Or when something good happens offensively, uh, you've got to pick up the performance a little bit too, as does the football team. Yeah. Our fans were great last year when Alabama came to town, right? That was the most fun that I've had at a football game that didn't turn out to be a win at DKR in the 40 or so years that I've been going to games in that stadium. Mm. That was a great crowd, but you got to bring it each and every week. Now, credit to that crowd also because it was hot as balls. So hot that my forearms were sweating so much that anytime I was clapping, it was like going all over the place. I had to be careful <laughs> about that. But I wasn't sweating all over my uh, my seatmates, but that, that was a hell of a crowd. And, and you do have to give folks credit for getting up and rowdy like that yeah absolutely absolutely all right texas bama coming up saturday night six o'clock of course we'll continue to preview it on this show and every show right here on texas sports unfiltered make sure you download the free tsu app make sure you subscribe to us on youtube if you haven't done that yet trey our guy tom mckay has been texting in throughout today's program he's tuned in man he is the best and av consultations is the very best at what they do they've hooked you up they've hooked me up and they can hook up our great listeners and viewers with the home tv setups of their dreams that's right they've been doing it in homes and businesses for 35 freaking years now going all the way back to 1988 and in that time they just continue to get better at a job that was already well done to begin with as you said bk you and i are both recipients of the quality of work from audiovisual consultations think about that last time you went to pluckers and marveled at all the tvs all over the ceilings and walls and in the bathroom as well that's all audiovisual consultations too now is the perfect time to call audiovisual consultations. 
football season is in full swing NFL gets going on Thursday and we are just a month away from the NBA and NHL also firing up while the Major League Baseball playoffs will be going on as well. Go to abconsultations.com to see all the different things that they can do for you. Once you decide on that ultimate service, whether it is a home entertainment setup or something completely different, then you're going to give them a call at 512-255-8678. Shout out to AV Consultations and shout out to our friends at Covert Bee Cave. This Friday, two days from now, we are going to be out there at Covert Bee Cave starting at 11 30. Bucky will be there. Trey will be there. I will be there. And more importantly, legendary lifetime Longhorn and national champion Michael Griffin is going to be there taking autographs, signing pictures. No, signing autographs, taking pictures, hanging out, talking ball. It's going to be a ton of fun. Lunch will be provided by our friends at Smokey Moe's and Verde's Mexican Parilla. We've got you covered. Free lunch, good times, football conversation and oh by the way Trey and I are going to be recording live from the Covert B Cave Studios this Friday from 12 to 1 come out and see us everything is completely free come talk ball come preview Texas and Alabama with Texas Sports Unfiltered and Michael Griffin if Michael Griffin wants to actually take autographs on Friday BK I'm happy to give him my autograph (laughs) yeah I don't think he wants that I don't think anybody wants that dude some people that are signing me to long-term deals. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't, like I said, I don't think anybody wants that. If uh, <laughs> you sign an autograph, that's going straight in the trash, right? It's like you get a business card from somebody that you don't care about, and as soon as you walk away, you just throw it in the can. That's what uh, that's what would happen with one of your autographs. I dispute that. My mortgage lender was more than happy to take my autograph underneath <laughs> my wife's. Uh, yes, I'm sure the insurance companies, the mortgage lenders... Uh, all of the above. My God, that's amazing. That is amazing. All right, Trey. Uh, what do we have time for the Jerry stuff? Should we do a poop gate update? I don't know what you have in store for where are we at. What are you thinking? No, where are we at is going to be the poop gate update. If you're okay with that, which gives us time to talk a little bit about Jerry Jones. He was on 105.3 The Fan. I believe it is yesterday, BK. It is every Tuesday that he appears on the fan during the season. And he had a couple of interesting things to say amidst his old guy rambling, which has been going on for, I don't know, a decade plus at this point. But as somebody like myself who is pretty anti-cowboy, I don't want to see that team win another Super Bowl. I was around way too many annoying Cowboys fans back in the 1990s when it was happening. I love when Jerry speaks because it lets me know that I have nothing to worry about until he is gone, BK. Let's start with Jerry Jones talking about making the trade for Trey Lance. You assumed that there would have been some sort of conference room conversation happening amongst the various people making decisions in that organization, maybe talking to some scouts who watched Trey Lance play for the 49ers last week and have paid attention in preseason games as well. No, Jerry made it very clear on the fan that that was completely about what Jerry wanted to do. Jerry said that he can make a quick decision like trading for Trey Lance. He said he already had all the information he needed on Lance, so he didn't have to speak with anyone else before making that move. Quote, I didn't have to send it around. I can make that trade in five minutes. Oh, my God. (laughs) I hope that's just a figure of speech. I hope that wasn't Jerry Jones actually going rogue because everybody else stepping up and making decisions instead of Jerry Jones has kept the Cowboys kind of relevant in recent years. I know they haven't had the playoff success. I get that, but... The only reason the Cowboys are even in the playoffs more often than not is because Steven, and less Steven, probably more Will McClay and some of the other folks in the Cowboys front office and scouting department have taken some of the power away from Jarrah. So to hear that he is going rogue, which once again I hope is not the case, that should scare the hell out of you if you're a Cowboys fan because it scares the hell out of me. I'll tell you what else it does, BK. It makes the slight head-scratcher of that move being made to begin with make a whole lot more sense now. When you know that it's just Jerry doing that, it's like, oh, okay, now I get it. Yeah, it's a fourth-round pick, and maybe Trey Lance works out. But 
Mike McCarthy is no Kyle Shanahan when it comes to whispering to quarterbacks to help them get better. Quite the opposite. But if Jerry is just making it happen and then letting everybody know in a, I don't know, I don't think Jerry's a big email or maybe a memo after the fact that gets sent around to all the different departments, then yeah, Trey Lance trade makes complete sense for the Cowboys. That guy just needs to die, man. I know. Not not Trey Lance. He's I, fine. I, I understand your sentiment. You don't work, wish death on many people, BK, but I would understand if you wish death on Jerry. Yeah, I don't wish death on him. I just hope he dies. You know, two different things. I think. <laughs> what level of nuance is that right there? You <laughs> hope he dies, but you're not going to wish it on him? No. I said it out loud. No, no, I don't. I don't wish for anybody to die. Well, there are some people I wish would die, but I don't wish for Jerry Jones to die. I just, you know, I hope he passes on. I hope he kicks the bucket. So, so the difference here is hope versus wish. Like, you you want the outcome to happen. It's just how hard you are pushing for it to happen. Like the energy that you're putting out there. Yeah, you know, we try can... and Chad Hastings maneuver where you're just going to off a guy by giving him a backhanded compliment or a flat-out insult. I'd have to call Chad to help out with this one, man. Like, that's that's what the Cowboys fans really need. That dude is a Cowboys fan, too. He needs to put in the call. Hell, he should have put in the call years ago to make that happen for us. God. No kidding. There is one other thing that Jerry talked about, BK, that I think is open to interpretation. I did want to get your thoughts on this as a big-time Cowboys fan because I have an opinion on it too. So Jerry also did kind of set the mark for the Dallas Cowboys and their 2023 season and what is expected out of the team this year. But he kept it somewhat vague. He said, do not underachieve. Uh, good for Jerry for actually going a bit cliche there versus putting something very specific out. But for you as a Cowboys fan, what is underachieving this season? Anything short of the conference championship game. I mean, it's really that simple. Okay. Like, that's that's the goal. That's the next step for the Cowboys, right? Like, two years ago, they lost in the wild card round. They shouldn't have, but they did. Last year, they lost in the divisional round, right? They won their first playoff game in Tampa, but then lost to the same team just a round later. Well, the, the next step would be to make it to the conference title game, right? Like, that's progression. Obviously, everybody wants a Super Bowl and a trip to a Super Bowl, but for me, the next logical step for the Cowboys is to at least make it to the NFL's Final Four. And anything short of that, hell, I, I wouldn't care if Jerry actually said that, right? Like, that that's what the goal and expectation should be. The NFC is wide open. You got Philly, you got San Francisco, but Dallas is probably the third best team in the conference, which like it shouldn't be a huge shock or upset for them to make it to the conference title game this year. That's got to be the goal. That's got to be the standard for this team this year. They got to find a way to end that ridiculously long drought. So divisional round doesn't feel good enough for you. Like no. fire Mike McCarthy level of underachievement i don't know if jerry will i mean because jerry kept jason garrett around yeah. forever despite being worse than that most years but yeah like that's you gotta be making progress that is not progress that's treading water doing exactly what you did last year i know that jason garrett gives cowboys fans ptsd for how long he was allowed to be a med mediocre coach there i think jerry will have a quicker trigger with McCarthy if they underachieve or whatever his idea of underachieving is this season. If they don't reach that point, he knows he's not getting any younger and that it is going to be time to move on to find maybe some younger blood in the league, right, with some of the younger coaches that have uh, started having successes over these last few years. Yeah, I think Jerry liked Garrett more than McCarthy just because Garrett was a player in yeah. Dallas and they had that long relationship. So I think that could be a part of it as well. But who knows, man? With Jerry, decisions that make sense aren't the decisions that get made. CB asks how old you were, BK, the last time the Cowboys played in the NFC Championship game? Uh, going on two. It would have been early 1996, the last time the Cowboys won a Super Bowl, and that was the last time they played in an NFC title game. So almost, uh, almost two. I remember it like crazy, though, man. I was messed up. Had a lot of tequila in the bottle, baby. Having a good time. Oh, does tequila mix with breast milk well, the Under, formula? Underrated. Yeah, go to your uh, local bars and ask for that uh, mixer. You, you'll be surprised the type of reaction you get. 
It's high in colostrum and a good mixer. <laughs> yeah, can I get a uh, tequila breast milk with lime, please? Good, good luck with that. All right, uh, quick shout-out to another sponsor. Hey, Altstad Beer, the best beer that you can find all throughout the state of Texas. Get ready for football season. Obviously, college football's already started, but the NFL gets going tomorrow, and we've got our first full football weekend of the year this weekend Get ready with the best beer that you can find all throughout the state of Texas. It is Altstat Beer. No impurities, no regrets. Thank you to them for their sponsorship. Thanks to Centex Tickets and 7-Eleven and Relax the Back and Woods Comfort Systems, Last Stand Hats, and also Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. We've got about five minutes left before we hand things off to Chip and Zay. It is now time for... Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed, in this case, in a terrible direction. I'm not even going to act like there's something that may be coming down the pike that's good today, BK. It is a continuation of the horrific story from yesterday where a Delta Airlines flight had to turn around. It was going from Atlanta to Spain, was two hours into the trip. But somebody had diarrhea to the degree that the pilot had to make an executive decision that there was a biohazard on the flight and turn the plane around. And you're telling me we now have video of this disgusting scene? We don't have video of the crap happening, but we have video of the aftermath. It's short. It's only about seven seconds long, but you get a little bit of a pan through the airplane cabin to see just how much diarrhea made its way onto this Delta Airlines fly. Check it out. Uh, so although everything that you saw in the aisle right there was attempting to cover up the drippage, the splatter. What's the term we're going with here? The shit. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good one. Can you please play that video one more time? Yep. Yeah. You really need to know some details here. There are some reports out there. Now I'm working on talking to my sources to confirm these reports but there are people talking trey i assumed this was a man there was <gasps> zero doubt in my mind that this was a man's doing but <sighs> according to somebody who claims to have been on that plane this was actually a woman who was responsible for what you just saw okay i very falsely and biological sex insensitive also did assume that it was a guy but if you think about it bk and you talk to people who have to clean men's and women's bathrooms and like an office or a public space the women's bathrooms almost without fail are more disgusting than their men's counterparts so this actually does make sense to me do we have an estimate on age for this individual we don't but we do have an estimate on clothing. I thought for sure this was shorts or a skirt to get that much going through. Apparently she was wearing pants. That's how bad it was, and that's how much it was, that it was all through the pants, onto the ground, and if you are listening on the app, there were like five or six rows. It was a short video. They only showed like five or six rows of the aisle of this airplane. And there were paper towels everywhere, and the crap was like seeping through the paper. T- it was, it was bad, man. It was bad, and you know, I mean, look, you know, you know that because it was runny like that, that it was, it had like an extra sour smell to it too. Oh, I mean, this is just—it's making my stomach churn just thinking about this. Question: uh, We're not about to see some horrific stomach virus blow its way through the country pun not intended there Mm. now do we because this person ends up getting sent back to the u.s after suffering such a medical incident brother you can get that virus anytime you want just get a crunch wrap supreme at taco bell and you will (laughs) have it just like that 
First rule of Fight Club, you, you uh, called it accurately at the end of Harge's show today, is don't crap yourself. Second rule of Fight Club, though, after you break the first rule, is you have to throw away at the very least the underwear that you are wearing. If a drop gets on your underwear, it's gone. And if it leaks through to the pants or the shorts or the dress or whatever else you're wearing, that's gone too. So I think you have to throw that entire airplane out at this point. I was going to say, the whole plane's got to get removed of, right? Like I, I'm, I'm not flying Delta ever again for the fear of me somehow ending up on that plane. I think we as a station, or we as a channel are done with Delta after what Bucky dealt with in Atlanta and now this. Yeah, that's it for me. I'm out. God, that was awesome. That was awesome what a story and apparently uh, we're up against it we'll have more details tomorrow on this never-ending delta airlines poop gate run gate diarrhea gate whatever the hell you want to call it i'm sure chip and zay are thrilled that that's how they get to start their show today it's one o'clock trey and i will be back tomorrow chip and zay from one to three bucky and jeff Yes, Bucky Godbolt, Jeff Howe from 3 to 5. Trey and I will be back tomorrow. Trey, great show, my friend. Great shoe, uh, great show to you too, my friend. Great shoe, whatever that means. Hook we got em. cool too. <laughs> Hook em. We'll see you all tomorrow. Guys, take it away.